Hey, good morning, everyone. We are we are starting a new series in the book of Jonah, and we're going to be going chapter by chapter and really taking a deep dive. We're going to take a little different look at Jonah that maybe you've never seen before. How many of you, when you've, you know, maybe you've been a Christian for a while, maybe a short time, but when we read the Word of God, there's always new things we can learn. And in this study, there is something that I learned that I never saw before. I love when the Word of God just blows your mind. I, I love it. So I'm, I'm praying. I know a lot of you are theologians out there. Maybe you've already seen this, but I'm praying that it's something new. I want to take a different look at Jonah. Many of us know the story. Whether you've been in church a short time, a long time, uh, we know the story about this guy who was reluctant to, to obey the Lord, and he got swallowed by this huge fish. Some people think it was a whale. The Bible says a big fish. And me, like, you know, I love to fish. I thought, you know, I think these are the crazy things that go on in my mind. I'm like, what kind of fish was it? What kind of, was it a, like a giant grouper? You know, was it, you know, I, I think about those things. I don't know. But many times we get caught up in that side of the story. But really, this is a story about God and God's heart for the world. And God's justice and his mercy. And I, and I don't want us to miss this point as we go through the book of Jonah. Jonah is a very easy sit down read. So I would encourage you to read, you know, just four chapters, sit down, read it. You can read it in pretty one, one sitting and kind of get a feel of what's going on there. But this book is really about the character of God and how God deals with us and the world around us. It's a message that the church needs to hear today. And here's, here's what we're going to be dealing with over the next couple of weeks. How do we deal with those who don't agree with us or don't share the same values that we have? Now, this book was written thousands of years ago. This happened thousands of years ago. And it is relevant today as it was then. And if we look at our world today, it can get very frustrating can I get an amen? It can get very frustrating. And if we're not careful, we can become bitter and angry at all the things that are happening around us. But if we understand God's heart and God's mercy and his justice, he has a purpose and a plan for the church. And it's to use us for his purposes in the world that we live in today. Even though it may not be ideal or what we want, God has a plan and we all want to receive mercy and grace when we mess up. Amen? We, we all want it. But are we willing to give grace and mercy and have compassion for our world when they don't agree with us? And so this is what we're going to be looking at as we study the book of Jonah. So we're going to be looking at Jonah chapter 1. If you get your Bibles, you can look up at the screen. And we're going to look at uh, Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 10 this morning. And let's see what the Word of God has to say about his calling to this reluctant prophet. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord, which was in the opposite direction. And so the Lord sent a great wind and sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to their own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten up the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep 
sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. And, the, and they cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of uh, work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? And from what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the seas and dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? And they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. Amen to God's word. So let's understand what's going on here. Jonah lived some 700 years before Christ. And at this time, the Assyrians were the dominant empire in the area. And what God does is he calls Jonah, the prophet, to go to this city, very, very large city of Nineveh, to speak to their wickedness and call upon them to repent. And the purpose of the book is not about a big fish, as cool as that may sound. The purpose of the book of Jonah is to allow us to see the compassion and the justice of God. And this is what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the mercy of God and the justice of God. And if we're not careful, we can kind of fall into one of two categories. Either we can look at the grace of God and then overlook God's justice and, and, and wanting us to repent from our sin and our waywardness where God just doesn't overlook those things. But then we can fall just on the justice of God where we show absolutely no mercy or grace or just want ill will for people. And we have to be careful because what we're going to see in the book of Jonah is God's mercy and justice in perfect balance. This is what he wants for us, the church, today. And if we're not careful, people, we can fall into one of two camps. And I'll be honest with you, that's the way I see the church going today. It's either going to this, you know, everything's hellfire and brimstone, or everything's grace, 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 and we're not calling people to a God who calls us to repentance, but a God who is merciful and will receive us and take us out of our waywardness and heal us. And it's hard, but we've got to find that balance. And the book of Jonah helps us to find that balance. So the purpose is to allow us to see the compassion and the justice of God. And what it should do is it should stop us to just reflect on our compassion and whether or not we're reflecting the mercy of God to our world around us. So here's the problem. The problem for Jonah is how can God be merciful to such a wicked city? And God calls it a wicked city. He didn't say, oh, go preach to these nice people. They're okay, but you know, they're a little off. So just go, so go preach to them. No, he calls them a wicked city, but God has mercy for them and wants to show his grace, and wants to call them to repentance. So the question is, how can God be both just and merciful at the same time? So Jonah, what he wants, he wants God to act one way. He wants to see the justice of God. He wants them to get what's coming to them. Now, I'll be honest with you, my heart tends to go that way sometimes. When I see what's going on in our world today, it's like, God, where is your justice? You know, where's your justice? But then when we look to God, we understand that God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance and a saving knowledge of him. 
And so Jonah wants him to act one way. He wants to see the justice of God. He wants them to get what's coming to the game, to get, get them, get, get what's coming to them. Got it out. So when we see something wrong, aren't we kind of the same way sometimes? When we see something wrong, we all want justice. We want things to be made right. Now think of it this way. If you're, if you're watching your favorite football team, the Buffalo Bills, if you're watching them, and the refs make a call of pass interference on your team, we always think it's a bad call. Unless you're on the opposing team, then you think it's a great call. And I love seeing two people who are on different sides and watching the same game. And it's it's amazing how biased we are to our own team and how negative we are to the refs if the call goes against us. Why? Because it was on our team. For the opposing team, they think it was a great call. Now think of it this way. If you're out and you're eating dinner and you get overcharged for something and you look at your bill and you're like, wait a minute, they, they double charged me for this meal. You want justice right then. You go, hey, there made a mistake. You double charged me right here. And, and can you please make this right right now, right now? We want justice. Now, if we get the same bill and we're undercharged, we're like, oh, praise God. I just got blessed. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Jesus. This meal was, was wonderful, right? See, we can all do the same thing. And so we want to be treated fairly. So how can God be both fair and just at the same time. So Jonah doesn't think God is fair in his dealing with Nineveh, so he's reluctant. And he becomes disobedient to God's call. And he gets in a ship and he heads the opposite direction because he says, they're not on our team. God, why don't you just get them? Why don't you just show your justice and just destroy the city? You see, the only way that we can understand that God is absolutely just and absolutely merciful is when we get to the cross. See, this is the only way we can understand it. And if we don't get the gospel message here, we're going to fall into one of those two camps. We have to understand the cross. So you're saying, okay, Pastor Bart, what are you talking about? Well, at the cross, we see God's perfect mercy and justice on full display through his son, Jesus. He who is innocent in Christ takes on our sin and takes our penalty and takes on the wrath of God for you and I, which you and I should have been on the cross. So God deals with his holiness and being just by giving us his son as a sacrifice to appease the holiness of God. The mercy and grace comes in when that should have been you and I. Aren't you thankful for that? If we're not living our lives through the cross, and the gospel message, we're not going to get it. We're not going to understand the justice and the mercy of God and how we as a church need to look at our world. The cross helps us to understand the balance of mercy and justice. God does not bat his eye or look the other way to waywardness and sin. He doesn't. And that's what he does for you and I through his son Jesus and through the cross and through Jesus' sacrifice, which he bore our sins for us, which he didn't deserve, but we deserved it. So Jesus becomes our substitute for you and I. And it's by his grace and mercy that we're saved from God's judgment. It's not us. We didn't merit it. We didn't earn it. It's not through our righteousness. It's through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
And through him and through our faith in Christ Jesus, God now imputes his righteousness into us and we can now stand before a holy God redeemed and made right and have a right relationship with God through his mercy and his grace, which none of us deserve. We need to understand that every single day in our lives. So when I feel like I'm mistreated or I feel like life's unfair, I look right there to the cross. Because Jesus Christ was treated unfairly. Everything that was brought to him was not his doing. It was ours. But God used his son so that we could be saved through him and know the goodness of God in our lives and have the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen? So I have to, if, if I don't understand that, then we're going to always struggle with God's justice and mercy. And this is where Jonah struggled with. He struggled with the mercy of God. See, if you read at the, to the end of Jonah, it kind of ends with, with us scratching our, our heads. You, you know, at the end of the story, he, he eventually goes and he preaches and they repent. And Jonah doesn't like it. He, he pouts over it. He's upset because they repent. He wanted the justice of God. And you would think Jonah would be happy at the city's repentance, but he isn't. And we think, are you kidding me? What's going on? But I want you to understand, we are much more like Jonah than we dare believe. We're much more like him. Tim Keller has some great insight here as to why. This is where it just blows my mind of this comparison that we're going to see in the New Testament that I've never seen before. In fact, many scholars believe when Jesus talks about the parable of the prodigal son, he's thinking of Jonah. This connection is unbelievable. I've never seen this before. That's why I love the word of God. And for you scholars, you're like, I already knew that, Pastor. But I'm hoping this is new for you too because understanding the story of the prodigal son will open up the book of Jonah to you and I that, that I believe that we've never seen before. And it's going to help us to understand how to live in this world that is so difficult to live in, but yet live in it understanding the mercy and justice of God will help us to understand our calling. And we don't want to miss this. We don't want to miss this. Church, this is an opportunity for us today to see God on full display if we allow him to use us in the way he desires to use us. So the book of Jonah is very similar to the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. The prodigal son story is actually about two sons, not just the one who took the father's inheritance and then went to Las Vegas and blew it all, right? And then comes groveling back because he lost everything. It's actually about an older son too, who was there with the father the whole time and obeyed the father. And we're going to see how similar and how parallel these two stories are. You see, one walks away and disobeys his father and rejects his love, takes his inheritance and blows it all, and blows it all. And you have the second, you have this older son who stays home and seems to obey the father, but ultimately rejects his father's love also. See, what we see in the prodigal son story are two ways to reject the Father's love. And we can tend to fall in either one of these camps. See, one is through disobedience and the other is through obedience and thinking that the Father now 
owes the older son. Come on, church. This is good. This is, it, this is good. I want you to understand this. See, the older son felt entitled because of his obedience. How could you receive him back? Don't you realize that by him taking your inheritance, he wishes you were dead? And now you're going to receive him back? You're going to kill the fattened pig? I know they didn't do a pig because it's not kosher, but let's just think. You're going to have, you're going to have a big barbecue for this guy? You got him a coat, a ring, and you're celebrating? And what does the father say to the older son? He that was lost is now found. Don't you realize we thought he was dead, but he's alive? Don't, don't you see this? You see, the older son felt entitled because of self-righteousness. The younger son didn't feel like he was old the thing because of his sin. See, what we're going to see in the story of Jonah is, is a, a, both sides of this. We're going to see disobedience and we're going to see this entitlement that we can see in mercy and that we can see in just falling completely on mercy or completely falling on justice. The older son felt entitled because he was obedient. You can be disobedient or you can be pharisaical. You can be disobedient or self-righteous by saying, I deserve this. I'm entitled to this. And that's the way the older son felt. And we can bend towards either one of these tendencies if we're not careful. You see, what's so interesting about the story of the prodigal son is how it ends. Just like the book of Jonah, it ends without the older brother changing his entitled heart. And the book of Jonah ends the same way. And God looks at Jonah and says, Jonah, don't you think I care about this whole city? Thousands of people and and their animals. I care about their animals. I care about their pets and their dogs and their cats. I, I care about all of them. Jonah couldn't see the mercy of God. Just like the older son couldn't see the mercy and the grace of the father Do you realize that the father was waiting for his wayward son to come home? In fact, he spotted him from a distance when he saw him. He was praying that his son would change and his son would repent. The father's heart was formed by God's grace and mercy. That's the heart of the father. Not justifying the sin but allowing the grace and mercy to be applied to someone's heart that they would come and humble themselves and allow God to change them. God says, I haven't given up on this wicked city. You may want to see the justice, but they need my grace and they need repentance. And my heart is open to them and I want to use you to go and speak my words. Yes, my words of repentance that you need to change, but also my heart of grace and mercy that I will not destroy you if you turn your heart to me. Let me be honest with you this morning. The justice of God should scare us. It should humble us. It shouldn't puff us up. It shouldn't make us say, hey, go get him, God. Go get him, God, right? It should humble us to want to pray and say, God, I don't want your judgment on anyone. 
on anyone. And so it should humble us. And Jonah was not receiving this. And so this is the way it ends. The brother thought, the other brother thought that he was entitled and the younger brother found God's grace and mercy through his repentance. And this is where we need to be very, very careful in our lives. Because if we fall just on the justice side, then all we're going to want is the worst for people. We, we want them to get what's coming to them, right? I talked about this last week. Someone passes you going 80 on 104, and you're like, man, I just hope there's a speed trap up there. Go get them, God, right? Get them, God, right? And then we see him pulled over and like, yeah, that made me feel really good. That's just the way Jesus would want us to act, right? You know, see, this is, this is where we need to be careful in our lives. This is where you need to be very careful. And this is exactly the same ending in the book of Jonah. And many believe that Jesus shares the story of the prodigal son with Jonah in mind. See, in the first two chapters of Jonah, Jonah runs like the younger brother. And in the second half of the book, Jonah obeys, yet is upset when Nineveh repents, just like the older brother. It's amazing to me how similar these two books are. And this is where we need to be careful because it's so so easy for my heart to turn to the justice side because of what we see, especially in our world today, and not realizing that that our God is patient. He's a patient God. Aren't you grateful for his patience? Aren't you grateful for his patience in your life? Man, I'll tell you what, I should have been struck down with lightning a long time ago. (laughs) But if it's, it's his patience and his love that he's wanting to lead us to repentance. And so what are, the, what are the roadblocks with Jonah? What are the roadblocks? He doesn't believe they deserve a second chance. That's why he's so reluctant. He doesn't believe they deserve a second chance. He doesn't believe they deserve mercy. And so before we jump all over Jonah, we can have the same disposition if we are not careful. And we can also categorize people into groups on whether they deserve grace or don't deserve grace. We can do that with people in the world, and we can do that with people in the church. And we need to be careful. When Jesus was asked what was the most important commandment, what did he say? What did he say? He boils all 613 commandments down into two. And this is important for us to understand because this is how we deal with our neighbor. And if we don't understand this, we're going to categorize people on whether or not they deserve grace or they don't deserve grace depending on how much they've hurt me. And listen to what Jesus says. They're asked the question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is a statement. This is a huge statement. Out of all those laws, don't you think Jesus could have picked another one? If your neighbor steals your oxen, go ahead and stone them to death. You know, I mean, could, could he have picked some other law? But he picks these two. Why? Let me tell you why. These two have everything to do with relationships. Our relationship to God and our relationship with one another. And many of us, for the sake of wanting to be right, we've destroyed relationships. Let's be careful, church, to walk in grace and mercy, 
let me give a caveat to that. That does not whitewash anything anyone has ever done or said or, or some horrific thing that has been done to us. I've not seen God knows that. And God sees it. But how are we to react to that? The purpose of this commandment Jesus brings to us is love your neighbor, which provokes the question, who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? See, this is based on the teaching that we were created in the image of God. See, Jonah's thinking the people of Nineveh, they're not my neighbor, they're my enemy. And they deserve what's coming to them. And Jesus says, no, no. Who is your neighbor? Listen to what he means by this. This means we have equal worth and dignity and should treat each other as such. The meaning here is that we should serve and help someone regardless if they are not like me. My neighbor is not someone that just gets along with me and makes me feel good, right? Our neighbor is anyone. See, this is what I loved about our mission trip last year to, to Utah. We learned this one saying, which I loved. It says, we should never qualify those we serve. Never qualify those we serve. See, the people we serve, we don't give them an application and say, okay, are you worthy of my service? So could you feel, please fill out this application and let me know if you're worthy of my service or if you're worthy of my grace or if you're worthy of my mercy? Could you fill this out first? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't do, do that with us? God displays and demonstrates his love towards us, Romans 5, 8 says. He displays it, he demonstrates it, that while we were still great and wonderful people, Jesus died for us. No, while we were still what? Sinners, Jesus died for us. It was through his love that he gave his son for you and I. You see, we should treat others with respect because they were created in the image of God and we are the image bearers of God. This is what makes the cross of Christ so special and unique. Jesus didn't qualify those he died for. See, that was, that was Jonah's roadblock. No, Nineveh, mm-mm, they don't qualify. The person at work that hurt me with their words, they don't qualify. Relative, got an argument with, we had disagreement, they don't qualify. Neighbor who irritates me, they don't qualify. We do that, don't we? I do it. See, God's love for us is seen in this way, that none of us deserve it. None of us earn it. That while we were still sinners, Jesus gave his life for us. See, the point of Jonah is God wants us to care. So, so let's bring this to where we live today in our lives on the love and the justice. Because I know we all struggle with like, am I being too love and too loving and showing too much grace? But because I want to be careful because I don't feel like I'm compromising. So I got to tell them the way it is. So I got to give them the truth. <laughs> right? And we feel good about that. I know it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. Unless you live through the cross of Christ. If you don't do that, we're going to make mistakes and our mercy and our justice. We're going to fall into either one of those traps and not walk in the middle. See, we, we, we have to understand that the person that I'm mad at, the person that I'm stewing over, what they said or what they did, 
See, what we want to do is we want to talk to other people about it because we want to stew. We want other people to agree with us why we're mad about that person. We want them to say to us, oh, I understand. Boy, that was bad. What they said that to you, right? And you're like, yeah, they did. They did. They did. Right? And what does that do for us? Doesn't that make us just feel better and act more like Jesus? Doesn't it? It, it doesn't. It just it creates more bitterness and anger in our life. What does Jesus tell us to do? He tells us to live out the gospel. Living out the gospel is not when life is perfect and everybody likes you and everything is hunky-dory in your life. Living out the gospel is when you walk through difficult seasons in your life and you're walking in the spirit of Christ regardless of what situation or what other people have said to you. You make a choice to say, I'm not going to walk in bitterness. I'm not going to pull a greater army around me to bolster my bitterness. But I'm going to walk in the spirit of Christ. And even though I'm hurt, and even though I have these feelings, I'm going to give them to the Lord because I don't want these feelings to rule me and to usurp my walk with Christ. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. You heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And you're like, that's in the Bible? Where is that? Give me that verse, Pastor. Let me just say, it's not there, okay? What, what does Jesus mean? Well, he's speaking to hardened hearts. This, this is what's getting around other people. Say, hey, you, you know, love your neighbors, but hate your enemies. Jesus says, no, 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 no. He says, I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, that's the spirit of Christ. That's walking in the cross in the gospel message. So let's bring it to where you live. Somebody at work, co-worker, neighbor, family member that you're upset with. I mean, anytime that name gets brought up, it triggers something. You're just like, oh man, I've tried to forget that person and now they're name. You know something's going on. Pray for them. Pray for them. And what that does is it dissolves your bitterness and brings peace into your life that you will walk in the spirit of the Lord. God calls us to be ministers of reconciliation, to heal relationships, not further destroy them. It doesn't mean the relationship is always going to be the same, but what are we doing to heal? That's why Jesus came, to heal the broken relationship left by sin between us and God. He sent his son to heal that Relationship. The gospel is about reconciliation and redemption. And the gospel is seen in your relationships and how you see people out in the world. When you leave this parking lot, look at the three crosses. What three crosses, Pastor? I've never seen it. When you're pulling up, they're right there. And what does it say? You're now entering your mission field, right? I want you to think that way. I want you to think, God, how when you as, as hurt as I am, and maybe you're rightly so, and when you feel that way, and when you feel like the older brother, you look there, you look to the cross and say, I don't deserve a thing. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Allow me to be a minister of reconciliation. Allow me to take the humble way, the humble route, and allow you to use me to bring healing and mercy. Listen. Yes, God is a just God and we he deal with the sins of our world, he will, but that should humble us and that should scare us. 
to allow us to realize that, God, I need to do everything possible to bring your word of mercy to a lost and dying world. Listen, we can all throw things at our TV set and sit in our front lawn and sit in our lawn chair and yell at everybody that walks in our lawn and we can all get together here on Sunday morning and complain every week about how bad everything is in our world. You know what that's going to do? Zippo, right? It's just, it's not going to do anything for the sake of the kingdom of God. God wants to use us in our world to show that we serve a merciful God who doesn't have to be merciful. And he's calling us to repentance or a change of mind to follow him. Yes, we need to care about what God says and we need to care about his justice. And we need to understand that Jesus came for sinners. But we should also care about the very people that Jesus died for. And we do that through serving them. Not qualifying them, but serving them with the love of Christ. And my prayer for you and for me and for our church is that God would enlarge our hearts and give us more compassion for our world, even when we see what's going on in our world and how hard it is to watch. It is for me too. I've got to keep coming back to the cross and saying, Jesus, you died for them. Use me as your mouthpiece. Use me as a minister of reconciliation to bring people to you. That's what I love about what John and Katie are doing in our high schools and praying for them. You know, think of it this way. You can go by a high school and you can say, man, our high schools are really going south fast. Or you can pray for them and pray for our teachers and pray for our students that God would do a work what John shared today is God's doing a work. Let's be part of what God is doing. Let's not go against what God is doing. Amen? So my prayer for you is through this Jonah series, God would enlarge your heart for our world, for the irritating neighbor, for the relative that you never want to see again, for that coworker. God, enlarge our hearts and let us walk in the cross of your mercy and your grace. Amen? Amen. Father God, we, we, we are messy, God, and we get it wrong all the time. But thank you for your word. Thank you that you were even patient with Jonah, telling him, Jonah, don't you think I care about all these people? God, you showed your heart through the father to the older son. Don't you think I care about this son who was lost and now is found? who we thought was dead but now is alive. Lord, help us to have that same kind of grace and mercy as we look in our world today. God, you're going to make all things right and you will judge. But Lord, what you've called us to do is to point people to a Savior who will forgive those who come and bow their hearts before you. Thank you for your compassion for Nineveh. They didn't deserve it. And we don't deserve it either. But because of your son, Jesus, we get a second chance. Help us to walk in the gospel message every single day. And may we live it out in our relationships, even in those difficult relationships. May we live it out. So we thank you, Lord, for your patience with us, 
Thank you, Lord, that you're gracious, that you haven't given up on us. And help us not to give up on those that we're praying for. Help us to love them and to serve them, regardless if we see anything in return, God. Thank you, Lord, for all the years I rejected you. But you never gave up on me. God, help us to be that kind of a church. We love you and we praise you. Thank you for your mercy, Jesus. In your precious, precious name, we ask these things. All right, I'm going to shut up. Amen. Amen. Can we thank the Lord for his word today? He's so good. Amen. Amen. Amen.